Okay, so we have myself, Phoebe, Karina. We are at the end of our trip through Spain and Italy, and so we'll talk a little bit about that later. And then we have our guest of honor today, Nancy Parzan, who is my aunt. Karina's aunt. <laughs> and so we, well, you actually kind of proposed this. What did you say? I wanted to have a night of storytelling. <laughs> a night of storytelling. Well, you were telling me about these storytelling events. Yeah. And I wanted to experience one, and then I thought we should have our own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, perfect. Here we are. Yeah, and so we're laying. Well, not we're not really laying. We're all sitting in. <laughs> we're sitting in bed, <laughs> multiple beds, and drinking a glass of wine. And we're just going to lay around and have like a girls' night and tell our stories. Stories. So what is the story you'd like to share with us? Ooh, my story, I have a lot of stories. Yeah. But this one takes over a span of 15 years or so. Okay. And it starts in 1992. I got an opportunity to go uh, to New Zealand and live and direct a women's fitness center, co-direct with the owners, teach classes, uh, do continuing education, and uh, just bring in some new energy and change the gym up, get them involved in personal training. So it t- I jumped on this idea, and it took a little while to get all the things ready and go. Uh, but before I knew it, I was there. And uh, New Zealand is a really interesting country. You know, I knew very little about it. I knew yeah. that it was English-speaking. I knew that it was one of the uh, Commonwealth countries. I knew that it was very beautiful. I knew it was two islands. That's about all I knew. So I also knew something of the Maori people, right? There are these... The indigenous people are Maori, and then there's a lot of Polynesians. Although they're not quite sure... How, how the Maoris got there, uh, boats obviously, but uh, how long or what. But of course, uh, the Europeans came in and then colonized and, and did everything. So the Maoris, in in effect, are somewhat like how in the USA the Native Americans have been treated. Okay. There are, we won't call them reservations, they're called marais. Uh, there are areas of the towns that have been given to them that... They stay on, and they have uh, a marae is like a place where the tribunal is, so it might be a cultural center and all kinds of things uh, according to their culture will take place there. And uh, also have a kitty cat. Hello, kitty. <laughs> and uh, in addition to that, there's a big Polynesian uh, population. Now, coming from the States, I didn't know what to expect, and, you know, even though it's English-speaking and all that, there's a lot of different cultural differences and whatnot. Um, in the the fitness center I was working, there were a couple of uh, Maoris who, who worked there, teachers. Uh, one was uh, very uh, sort of shy and timid, not when she taught her classes. She was a very good teacher, but as she could see, she was very more reserved, and I almost got the feeling that... She was, if you could equate it to in the South and Blacks, uh, when there was a lot of more segregation and Mm -hmm. and sort of working for white people and how they would act differently than just in their normal 
uh, people and in, in, yeah. in neighborhood. And I, I really wasn't used to this. Coming from San Francisco, I was used to people living all together. I mean, there is segregation, right? But when you grow up there and you have very liberal parents and you, and everybody's their friend and I, I wasn't grown up. I did not was not brought up that way. So it was kind of interesting. I observed. Then there was a young girl who was uh, uh, just starting and she was really spunky and, and I could tell that she was from by how she dressed and even what the owners kind of said to me about her, that she was from... Uh, probably kind of more of a country bumpkin, you know, and was from out, she was living in Auckland, because I was living in Auckland, but was from, and she actually was from a town called Rotorua, and uh, where there's hot springs and things, and she was so sweet, and she just followed me around, because I gave all of it, all I could do with everybody, I just treat everybody as the same, so I felt that it was unusual, right, and she, she was like, so happy that she could learn from me and really a sweet, a sweet girl. My name, because the owner's name was Nancy, yeah. uh, they called me Farzi. But in New Zealand accent, you're called Fozzy. So I was Fozzy. Fozzy. <laughs> Hi, hey. Fozzy. And uh, so I was fine. Okay, Fozzy this, Fozzy that. Uh, so this brings me to uh, part of my story. Why do I have this in my hand? Uh, Listeners, I have yeah. a fish hook. It's a New Zealand, uh, oh, yeah. very, it's a Maori thing, actually. And it's uh, for safe travels and good mm-hmm. luck. And because uh, the Maoris believe that uh, all, uh, New Zealand was created as a fish hook. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a really a beautiful thing. And this was given to me by Jenny when I left Aww. at the airport. I did a surprise visit. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, it surprised me. And she wanted me to have this for my safe That's travels. Sweet. So I just uh, thought it would hold it here yeah. um anyway so one day I was there for almost two years and uh there was an interesting thing that occurred that was in the news and it was uh a hit and run accident some girl was killed and she was either Maori or Polynesian I don't recall and uh the police were involved and whatnot. The day that it's the following day, uh, the guy driving the car showed up and went to the Marai, went to the to the family. They all collected there and said, "Look, I'm sorry. I, I, you know, this happened." And they wanted to forgive. You know, they wanted mm-hmm. to take it in their own hands. And and there is something like tribal law, so it it. They were ready to dismiss it and not okay. have the police involved. But the police were like, no, this guy broke a law. Yeah. Right? And, and we should prosecute him. He hit, he ran, he's out of here. Even yeah. though he came back yeah. and, and turned himself in. He turned himself in, not to the police, but to the families. Okay. Right? So the families were like, no, we we want to take care of this ourselves. We oh. are making amends. We're, we are going to work through it. Yeah. And I remember reading this article and it was in the, like the news for days because of like hey and they don't want to arrest him and what do yeah. we do and I'm not sure how it actually resolved with the police but I was for about a week I would I would think about it and I was perplexed and I thought wow how would I, how would I do that they killed my daughter my only yeah. daughter uh, wow could I forgive yeah could I could I meet the family and 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 say you know what we're going to deal with this it, it really hit me, right? 
And then life went on. I went back to the United States. Fast forward. 2010. Life number 18. I'm now now getting married to a Belgian and starting a new life as a part-time stepmother and wife and part-time instructor as I am. And uh, I'm in another new country, lots of new culture, customs, languages, etc. Even though New Zealand is English, (laughs) there are different words and expressions. And actually, the first day I landed there, I made a complete faux pas by saying, Oh, I had something in my fanny pack. And that (laughs) word, (laughs) don't ever say that word. Fanny pack? Yeah, say bum bag, because it means a... Uh, a woman's part in not a nice way. And I and my boss looked at me and I was like, well, I don't, you know, and then she whispered, um, that means, and I'm like, ha ha ha, <laughs> welcome to New Zealand. So, so uh, that that's a side point. But anyway, so now I'm uh, moving to New, Ze- uh, New Zealand, to Belgium. I'm living in Belgium and adjusting to a new life and, uh, yeah. Uh, it's wonderful and they're kids and whatever and time goes by because you're so busy doing everything and um, uh, my husband was a cyclist like myself that was our passion and he was into bike racing and a big race was coming up and he decided uh, he was asked by his team to do it he was really honored to do it and uh, it was August and in August in Belgium can be weather can be not so nice okay. it maybe it's not cold but it can rain and uh, it it was an extremely rainy day. I was actually out riding with some friends and got completely soaked. But I thought, oh, at least it's not cold. And uh, he was normally when you'd race, you do the day before, you do a little tune-up, you do a little warm-up, nothing big. And so he went out to train. And uh, basically, hours later, I got the phone call, the phone call you never want to get, that um, it says that by uh, one of his dear friends who was call notified that I should go to the hospital and something's happened. And so I immediately had a bad feeling in my stomach, but I was positive and made jokes in my head. I was driving there in the rain, like, oh, he's going to be laid up in the hospital bed. Mm. And I'm going to say, I guess tomorrow we're not going out motor pacing. And uh, anyway, as you can expect, it was, I was greeted by a couple of highway patrolmen and in not a hospital room and they mm-hmm. have to tell you the bad news that he's been hit and killed on his bike and uh, yeah. you just have to deal with all of that. And it wasn't easy, but uh, you go on to overdrive and you sort of just get everything done and I'm very thankful there was neighbors and, and his friends and new friends that I had just made who reached out and helped me take care of all the tactical things that you have to do when somebody dies and in a new country and new yeah. rules and new everything. How long you had been there for two years? Uh, no, one year. One year. Okay. I was a, so you're still learning everything. Yeah, learning the language, but you don't yeah. even, who thinks about like what happens in a death and no, what you do. Yeah. And you're just trying to figure out the day to day stuff. I mean, stuff. all of a sudden, I, basically I was a newlywed to a widow within a year. Yeah. All right. And so, uh, but you know, you just have to do what you have to do. But there, it takes the, even the process. Like in the United States, I'm not sure because it's not happened to me there. But normally, when something happens, you're kind of kept in the loop of mm-hmm. what is the from the police because the police yeah. are involved when there's an accident. But there, they do an investigation and do all that. They don't tell you anything until they're finished with it. Okay. So that was like a three or four month period. So 
I didn't even know exactly you, how he died. You didn't know who or like. No, I had heard if, something. If so or... finally, I get to go to the police station and uh, read through the report, and it's closed. And they, you know, they talk to you and whatnot. And and it turns out that a, a young man was about twenty-two, and uh, they say by the um, how they measure things and the car and the speed, they can figure out that they didn't think he was speeding or anything. He just went out of control. They don't. Uh. He wasn't drunk. He wasn't. Wasn't this? It wasn't that. It was a rainy. It was a rainy was day. Raining. It was actually afternoon. Okay. And uh, so, uh, okay. I said, uh, I said, who is he? Can I meet him? Yeah. Right? And and they said, well, actually, yes, we have. A, it is possible. We can set this up with a, a social worker. They have a. It's a new thing that I doubt uh, many Belgians do because they're not as sort of exposed and open-minded to these kinds of things. But I said, I would like to meet this fellow. So I called the mediator, and we set up a date. And they had to clear it with him as well. Do you want to meet the widow, right? And I wanted to meet him. I wanted to look him in the eyes, but not to look him in the eyes with horridness, but because I wanted to let him know that I didn't hate him. That I wanted to let him know that he made a mistake. And yeah, he changed the lives of me and his children and many other people, but I knew he had to live with it. He's only 22. Yeah. I put myself in his shoes and thought, if I killed somebody, I would sure want to meet the person. And maybe they would hate me and not want to look at me and spit at me, but I still would want to do it. Yeah. But I wasn't going to be that person. So we set it up, and I didn't want to go there alone. His best friend, or or, I won't say best friend, but friend who had called me to meet me at the hospital. Happened to be the friend he was with when I met him originally two years ago in Italy, two years before that in Italy. And I, so he and I had a connection. He was at our wedding as my best man. I needed a witness and I didn't have anybody else. He was there at the death. He went with me through the, you know, to the funeral home when you have to look at the dead body, etc. So I asked him, will you please come with me? And he was clear, of course he would. So he was there, he was quiet. The young man came. I couldn't tell you now what he looks like. I have no idea. Yeah. But we we spoke. I let him know that I, I didn't hate him. I let him know that I understand. And I let him know that I'm working on it. I said, look, do you have... I asked him. I was his counselor. I said, yeah. do you have any outlets? Do yeah. you have anything... Because they're only 22. Yeah. So and now, how are they prosecuted there? I mean, how? what was his... Did he have a sentence of any kind? I or? think he wasn't able to drive for a while and had to okay. pay some fines or whatever, but I don't think there was any jail time or anything like that. Okay. Um, I don't recall now, but I don't think so, because okay. I don't think he had any record or anything okay. like that. And it was proven that he wasn't drunk or... And he didn't drive away. He no, was, I, I, yeah. you know, um, yeah, I think he was in shock. Yeah. But he told me that his he could talk to his girlfriend... Um, his mother was not very supportive. She was like the type to say, "If you hadn't been there, yeah." Which I said, "Oh, because that like that's too late. He had been there. You can't yeah. go there." Yeah. So I I told him what I was doing. I said, "Look, I I you know even though my husband was killed on a bicycle, I go out bicycling. <laughs> I still yeah. ride my bike because I love it, and that's it's a way I have yeah. for processing." Did you have any sort of fear after he? past about no. that you were just like no because that was always your yeah 
and and, so, and if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. I mean, it doesn't yeah. mean you should take some crazy, you know, ride on the wrong side of the road or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, it can happen in a bathtub. It can happen yeah. anywhere. I mean, it's not going to, it may happen to me, but, it, you know, I you don't, that's not in your mind. Or at least not in my mind. Because yeah. that has been, it was my passion way before I, I met the man. Um, and I told him I wrote. I started writing. I write everything. I write it down. And I suggested to him, maybe you can find something. Mm-hmm. And that then, yeah. you know, we said our goodbyes and, and, and that was it. But the, what ties this all in was that. Yeah. I remembered <clears throat> the Maoris. I remembered what they did. And at that time, I never thought I was more like the person, what would I do? What wouldn't yeah. I do? What would I do? What wouldn't I do? Would be my child, it. lost my child. I took the stand. That was a lesson to me. Yeah. That 12 or 15 years, that was meant to happen. So, And why did it stay in my mind? Why yeah. was I so affected by it? Because, obviously, I was going to have to deal with something like that in my life. Yeah. And I remembered that, and I used that power because I, I think... I mean, for me, that's the way to go. The forgiveness of it, you know. Yeah. It, and I would want to be forgiven. Mm. I couldn't live with myself if if yeah. I killed your child yeah. accidentally or, yeah. or upon purpose. But <laughs> yeah. anyway, so that that's how I felt my story ties in. And yeah. I feel very blessed that I had that other experience to lean on when it happened to me. Yeah. And I had some point of reference and of understanding that, hey, you're not alone and that we can take care of these things and, you know, you have to move on. And, you know, in this case, the police wasn't involved. It wasn't like the man was going to have to go to a court case, but he has to live with it yeah, his whole life. Yeah. And he needs to somehow get through it. I don't know if I would, you know. Would you? I I don't, you know, I think of it. I don't know, yeah. It's it's hard. I just think of small little things that I'm still playing over. Right, but I mean, you think it's hard enough to lose somebody. Yeah. But what if you were the person who, that's why people listening, we shouldn't be on our cell phones and all that while we're driving. Oh, no. It was, they said, they didn't make it clear that he wasn't. And you know, there have been many times where maybe I changed a CD or I was grabbing in something. Your eyes just are off the thing. That's all it takes. I mean, that's to say that I'm not perfect I yeah. still do things that I probably shouldn't in my car sometimes but yeah it's just a matter of, of seconds it's and not worth it it's it's yeah, it's not, not but it's difficult today right because we're all attached to all these oh, things yeah. and, and we're so wrapped and, up in our res- our obligations like oh I have to respond to this because it's working, yeah da, da, da. yeah and like our own pressures or you're like, or you're eating really something you're drinking something because you're in a hurry yeah. and so you're doing it in the car you're running yeah. from one job to another and yeah, you have so, to I eat mean, then and yeah, it is. I mean, it's it, just it's one just... split second, but uh, you know. Yeah. So <sighs> that was my story. Yeah. It's it's yeah. all. Uh, listen to your the things that will happen. You'll never know what twenty years later or thirty years later. Yeah, you'll there be was able the to seed use. planted. The seed yeah. was planted, and, and you were paying attention to it. Yeah, I was you paying. Know, why? Yeah. That's really? what I want to know. Why? I mean, yeah. that might have been a new story that I so didn't. You can, oh, yeah, whatever. You don't yeah. think about it. It affected you. It somehow. affected you, me, and you let it yeah. in. You know, I let it in. I'm too busy to deal with these. Oh, it really affected me. That I was thinking about it for days. It was one of those things that I was just like, you thought about it for days. Did you think of it? 
later? I mean, before, like, did you, is it something that you came back to over time? Yes. After, so no, I don't recall thinking about it until after this happened. Okay. I so wrote when, about it. So when I he, wrote about it after I like, remembered, like, oh, like, whoa. This because is what, that was yeah. 1993, and this was 2011. That's yeah. quite a big time. Yeah. And all of a sudden, bam, in my brain, I went, right. That's what that lesson I was. I remember that. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Oh. Wow. And I was very drawn to the Maori uh, people and to... Mm-hmm like to all tribal people, but there, I live near a marae and I wanted so badly to walk in there, but mm. I didn't because it's not respectful unless mm. you're invited. But I would okay. walk, take these, I would walk routinely because I like walking. You're just walking around. Like, well, no, but my, I had to walk two places, but sometimes yeah. I would just go on these morning walks up on this yeah. hill and uh, it was on the back of it and I, it was, yeah. I was curious and it was beautiful. And I mean, it was, uh, you know. Yeah. I just, uh, there was some connection there that was obviously supposed to be there as a tool for me to deal with uh, this situation that happened to come into my life or was yeah. planned to be in my life, which which has made me a better person. Yeah, absolutely. These things are hard and you have to go through hell, but you, when you make it through, you realize that it's, it was meant for some reason. Yeah, and that the reason perhaps for you to grow, uh, for new things to come, yeah, for testing your strength, for whatever reason there are you'll never know. But if you, if you, yeah, concentrate on the negative, you'll never get to the next part. So you have to go above and beyond, and you have to uh, not fight it, but just let it beat you and permeate you and become you. And if if you come across somebody who's grieving for whatever or whoever or their animal or whatever, and they're seriously grieving, the only advice I can give to you is listen. Mm-hmm. Don't tell them anything. Don't yeah. tell them they're young. Well, they didn't say that to me because I'm not. But, <laughs> but you know, like... A, you oh, are like, young. No, but in spirit. But, uh, you yeah. know, like a, mm-hmm. if it happened to you guys and they oh, you're young, you'll find another husband or something like that. would be the worst thing to say. It's like, yeah. But people say things... Because you've got to feel your... Fe- when you did, just, I mean, you found somebody else. I have, and that's but very in that time and space, yeah, if somebody just said that to you, like, or any, or pe- you know, just people say things out yeah. of not. Of They're it. just uncomfortable. I think uh, you and I have talked about yeah. this. Uncomfortable yeah. and 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 it's very uncomfortable, and they don't. And they yeah. want to help you, and yeah. the best way you can help somebody is to say, "If you want to talk, I will listen." Yeah. And I will, if you want a hug, I will hug you. Yeah. Because I didn't have any hugs for a very long time. I was alone for a very long time. I was away from everybody who was family or knew me a long time, more than a year. Yeah. Yeah. But I held it together. Yeah. You do. You you just do. Yeah. I had a very strong mother, so that that helped. And even she was gone, so I didn't even have her to talk to. But you know what? But you talked to her still. I wrote. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that helped. Yeah. And now you know. Now I'm bossing you guys around. <laughs> so well, who's got the next story? Well, I just wanted to share this up what you were just saying because this showed up on Instagram. Thank God for Instagram. <laughs> I don't know who it was from. It was just like somebody posted it and said truth. Um, so this is one day you will tell your story of how you've overcome what you're going through now. And it will become part of someone else's survival guide. 
Yes. Aww. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, that was my, you know, the day after, or even that day, I said to myself, I don't know what this journey's going to be, but damn it, it's not going to ruin me. Mm. It's going to make me better. And I said that every day when I was black mm-hmm. and, yeah. and cried my eyes out. But I knew, I knew if I could bear it. I w- because I actually, it's weird. You meet people when, when these things happen to you, just like if you buy a car that's red, all you see is red cars. Yeah. <laughs> you, start, you start meeting people yeah. who've lost children yeah. and lost, you know, and you're like, oh my God, you lost your yeah. child. So, but yeah. I observed how, how they were and many people were, I don't know if they're damaged, but damaged. I mean, they didn't get over it. And, yeah. and, it, and not say you get it. You'll never get over no. it. It's a part of your yeah. cells now. But you can let it be that part, but grow around it. Yeah. And it's like a scar. Yeah. Like you cut your leg and you fall. You have a scar and you go, well, that scar was because I was playing yeah. this game. And then, bam, I fell. But if you keep picking at it, right, it's never yeah. going to heal. Right? right. So I think that's sort of like where yeah. you're going to is like some people, they just keep picking at the scab and, yeah, and it never, never actually heals over. But if you let it scar and let yourself grow with it. Yeah. Yeah. So I knew I didn't want to be that that bitter, scarred yeah. thing. I wanted to, I knew that. Or I hoped or I aimed to have it better me. Yeah. In some way. If that I'm just a better listener, a better, more empathetic person yeah. uh, to when people are in need uh, or whatever, or, you know, grief. Now I really yeah. know grief. And know. that wasn't my first time grieving. It, I've grieved a lot. Because your Parents, mom had just passed Mom had passed in that year. Within that year, okay. And uh, father a few years back... Uh, many friends, even one of my mentors, uh, you know, you lose a lot of people in your life. But this one was sort of unexpected and it was uh, really traumatic. But nonetheless, uh, we make it through, right? Yeah, and you are a very strong woman, human being, and... Woman, human, and being. Human and a human, just a woman. We try, we try. And just very resilient. I mean, I've only known you for a few days, and that's what I'm definitely walking away from, is that you are extremely resilient and have such a positive attitude. Because I think that there's some sort of, like, you can be resilient but still a bit hard. And I feel that you are very resilient but still tender. And, I mean, I'm sure you don't, I don't know how you Mm -hmm. perceive yourself, but... I see you as still this very strong human being with a tenderness, a softness. The grief can make you tough. Yeah. And you have to, you go through that as well. Yeah. Where you're just tough, but I think I'm starting to soften up again. Yeah. (laughs) I think that there is a period of time that, yeah, I mean, I think, and I'll move into my story. Yes. But I feel like I, I have been in a grief situation for probably almost seven years now, and I'm just... At that point where I'm softening too, yeah. so I understand like where you are now is like yeah. where I'm aspiring. Actually, to be. <laughs> it's like you know, it was it was 2011, so it was like this is the eighth year. Right? Okay, so seven must be the number, at least for some of us. Yeah. They say grief has no timeline. Well, it's and if we look at like seven, is that yeah, the cycle, cycle of when all of your cells have like regenerated completely? Yeah. So that's what I have in my mind. Is like January 8th is when my father passed away, and I feel mm-hmm. like. When I get to that, I'm going to be a whole new person. I will. You are. And I feel like a whole new person since then, but I do. I feel like that is sort of to tie into our, our 
journey mm-hmm. together this past two weeks ish. Yeah, um, it's been, yeah. yeah, I feel like it's been my like observing where am I? Yeah. Am I ready to be like that soft person? Like we talked mm-hmm. last week about like, I want to return to the person that I was prior to all of my grief. And like, I know it's been there the whole time, but I'm just like ready for it to be. Yeah. So I feel like I've been putting bandages over yeah. my wounds for a while. So thank you for sharing That's that. normal. I yeah. mean, I, yeah. I totally did. Yeah. I had to. It's survival. Yeah. You have to take care of yourself. Yeah. And you have to, you know, you're guarded. Yeah. You know, and, and there's so many emotions that go through you. And, of course, a part of you died. So yeah. you're, you have a dead section in you, and that yeah. section will always be there. But you can turn it around to a love section. Hmm. You know, this mm-hmm. love section. I know I have all these, my parents, everybody, they're all around, but, yeah. you know. But and they're still here in a lot of ways, A right? lot of ways. I but, mean, but, we didn't want to hold them and have conversations where they're actually talking back. But the coolest part is that by feeling that, we'll say, deadness or mm-hmm. roughness or hardness, mm-hmm. when you start feeling the softness, it's even more electric because mm-hmm. you have felt the exact opposites. Mm-hmm. And you when you're the other way, you don't realize how wonderful it is. Yeah. When you are listeners, <laughs> listeners, listen up. Hello, listeners. We were at the beach today, <laughs> and I told them this is the first time I've had a beach day, and I couldn't remember everywhere. I was just and oh, you I'm live at the and beach. you live a block. Well, away this from is just in the last even. few months that I live a block away, right, but right. but yeah. nonetheless, uh, in in the last in, in that seven year period, uh, I've been to places where there are beaches, but I didn't feel like I felt today. Like yeah. wow, I want to go in the water, and wow, it felt I felt soft. Mm-hmm. I was felt before I felt hardened. I didn't feel like yeah. I deserved. To feel good at the beach. Yeah. I could be at the beach and it was meditative and I would be deep in thought. Yeah. But today I felt frivolous. Aww. And that right. that felt like I've really made a step on the healing process. I love that. I love hearing that. Yeah. I mean, I have felt, it's not like I haven't felt frivolous in the last yeah. years, but no, in, no, in pieces. Have... But today it really felt like, woohoo. I, it's just, yeah. And I mean, you were dancing around previous and I, I we worked out. So I do that. Like, when I, I teach just class. want them to know also that you do have these free moments. Oh, yeah. I, I, I have been not grumpy my whole time. <laughs> no. I, I, and that's why I love my work because when I'm teaching people, and I'm especially group exercise, I yeah. do the craziest thing. They all look at me like, you're crazy, Fozzy. You know, what were they calling you in Belgium? Farzani. No, no, no. Or, they, the, something, the American power lady, something like that. Crazy, I don't know. You told me. Warrior princess? I don't know. Crazy American? No, I, I don't know. But whatever. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, uh, they tend to be a little bit reserved, the Belgians, and I'll teach these classes. And when I get in my endorphins, I'm like all over the place, and I say things to people and do things. And yeah. So, you know, in my element, I'm, I'm, I have a lot of joy. But yeah. it's just uh, deep down there was a lot of sorrow. Yeah. And then when you are when you close the door and you're just mm-hmm. with yourself, that's when you deal with the the sorrow yeah we all who have been in the in the, the health fitness also the what you it's this type of entertainment business mm-hmm. and so it is. when that door goes on when i see that client when i'm in front of the class 
It's showtime, folks. Yeah. I have taught, seriously, like my jazz hands. I have taught. That's Bob Fosse. I know, showtime, folks. Showtime. But I I saw that movie (laughs) at years ago. You were quoting all of my my jazz teachers. (laughs) All my. But I, you know, and I, and really, because I've been teaching group exercise for almost 30 years. And I I mean, I remember once I had a car accident, this and that, and I was like, oh, I have to go. And I dumb my dog. They didn't know. I was like, we are on the air, you know, you got (laughs) to. do your job and you gotta get them going and so uh it's that part's built into me i can easily if i'm distracted and that was also helpful because you can't you can't just be 24 7 on on it or else you would really go crazy those distractions are important to move on yeah you just don't you know you have to deal but there is no definites there are no timelines there are no nothing it has to happen and that has to just Flow has to happen by having enough distractions, by having enough time that you can th- think about it, by letting go of things, by processing everything, and then just waiting. Just yeah, waiting for it to, to happen itself. Yeah, you know, put yourself into the position to meet people, to just do things, to be happy. Yeah, oh, it, it's uh, it's unpredictable, but also it, to be sad when you yeah. right well that was a big yeah. that was a, the big part of the equation but you yeah. can't just only be sad no right? no because you could not. dig a hole yeah. Yeah. and and yeah. you know and yeah. i chose not to take medications or yeah. anything like that because yeah. uh, people would ask me did you yeah. go and see a, a somebody yeah. take and i was like no no I, you're I, gonna I, feel it I, yeah i was like no I, I i don't take anything anyway why would i start now i mean yeah it, well, that well, numbing just, it is not yeah. gonna make it right but you know that's part of our society today to get some sort of antidepressant yeah. drugs and what I'm yeah. not knocking people who need things like no. that but, but I think for some people they need to stabilize for a period right. of time as they like unpack things right um yeah but I too decided you know because I had yeah. a pretty horrific year of 2013 and I mean I had very close people to me saying do you want to be medicated and I said no I don't like yeah. I'm gonna go in there and feel this shit (laughs) yeah um but I know that you know but it's not for everybody right they need to stabilize in some way and that they can be helpful but yeah um yeah well I mean I threw myself into physical activities yeah I mean and that's the thing is we both have those tools already and some people just don't I mean when they have some sort of like crazy thing that happens to them they don't have tools and so um, yeah. they go to that to stabilize right. them, to learn the tools. And this is really one of the reasons why I wanted to share this podcast with people was to share these sort of tools, yeah. you know, that you have, you did your writing and, um, you know, be pulling in, um, things that worked for you so that when people have their moments of what we call the space in between, where they can remember what you what worked for you or what worked for Karina right. or worked for me or whoever comes right. on here. Um, because if they don't have the tools, then they can, you know, maybe take some something right. that worked for somebody else. As I said, it's somebody else's survival guide. Right. Um, so, yeah. 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 Well, you know, none of it is uh, a textbook. No, it's not. But let me add one thing. Okay. Here. I'm always adding. Add it. Um, I, when I was a teenager, I started reading a lot of autobiographies. Yeah. And I, because I, I just wanted to know about people. Yeah. And 
anybody who is well, quote unquote great, but have done things in their lives that have brought them some sort of notoriety of fame, whether it was music, acting, entertainment, or science, or whatever, I had to read books about these people. Yeah. And everyone who made it to a certain age <laughs> does not come unscathed. Yeah. Everybody has something. If you're going to yeah. live a life, you're going to go through trauma of some sort. Yeah. And uh, how you deal with it. And most of these books that I would read, uh, everyone had their share. And yeah. I was really always very attentive to, That's wow. To, you know, well, they made it through that. They made it's it through so that. I never thought of it. I used to read a lot of autobiographies of different dancers yeah. that I and was inspired by, too. And the same thing. But I never, that's funny you said that because I never connected it. But I was so drawn to, like, what's their story? How did they, not even, like, how did they make it, but, like, how did they just, like, survive right. in the world of the arts? So that's interesting that. There's, for highlighting that because yeah, yeah autobiographies can be very helpful right and there's just a process of of you know everyone's different but there's yeah. a process and you you know yeah you find your way and you'll make it you will make it through yeah you will make it through we will strength is multifaceted it's physical it's mental it's emotional it's yeah. a, you know we all have ability it's just finding the right tools it is and being patient and being a bit stubborn (laughs) i don't have the patience but i'm stubborn yeah i've learned the patience because i've had to but but the stubbornness comes in my family so that kind of came genetically like no i'm not gonna do that i'm gonna get up i'm gonna do it again Thank you for sharing Thank that. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Karina, it sounds like you have something to share. Well, yes. so I was looking for a poem <laughs> that, I, like, five minutes ago. I yeah. was reminded of, and I just finally found it. Yay, so it's time to share. <laughs> um, it was when, when you said, you know, something about getting over it, and then you said, well, you never really get over it. Um, this is a poem called The Cure by Albert Huffstickler. He writes, We think we get over things. We don't get over things. Or say, we get over the measles, but not a broken heart. We need to make that distinction. The things that become part of our experience never become less a part of our experience. How can I say it? The way to get over a life is to die. Short of that, you move with it. Let the pain be pain, not in the hope that it will vanish, but in the faith that it will fit in, find its place in the shape of things, and be then not any less pain, but true to form. Because anything natural has an inherent shape and will flow towards it. And a life is as natural as a leaf. That's what we're looking for. Not the end of a thing, but the shape of it. Wisdom is seeing the shape of your life without obliterating, getting over, a single instant of it. Mm. Mm. Nice. (laughs) The shape of it. Mm -hmm. Shape. Yeah, I, I take that as... 
making the space for the thing to become a, a part of you. And that, yeah. you know, not that the pain has to become a part of you, but that it will find its shape and its purpose for you. Like exactly. It yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's shape. It's shape. Yeah. That's what I always, oh, poetry is just what. And his, sorry, who read who Albert was that? Hofstickler? How did Albert. you find it, Albert Hofstickler? I am just oh. constantly reading things. Well, where do you find them? <laughs> I find them all over the place. I find them, you know, on I get emails from poetry websites like oh. Daily Poems oh, or that's nice. um, you, you know, lots of people that I follow on Instagram post poems yeah. and um, yeah, I mean, they're just, they come at me from everywhere. Yeah, That's poetry is that. a tool. That's sure another is. tool. Oh, it is a tool. Yeah. To remember that we are not alone. We all, there, we have felt this before. Yes. We've been here before. Yes. Yeah. Um, because I think in those moments when you're experiencing such loss, yes. it's, you feel so alone. Like, yes. I, mm-hmm. I, nobody can ever feel yeah. what I feel, yeah. but... And it won't be, I mean, it's your unique feeling, but we have been here before. Yeah, just to feel connected to the, I mean, to the the collective, the collective human, you know, human experience of suffering, right? Not everybody has lost a husband or a child, but everybody has experienced grief in some way. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you don't even have to, the person doesn't have to die. Right. to grieve yeah. you can lose a, a, a good friend you can lose a, a husband you can lose yeah. uh you know and that's i've grieved me i well, i grieved many times yeah you know through uh, strong friendships that that broke up because of some reason yeah and i was like yeah. devastated yeah i mean you might Each even grieve when you know you see yourself in a certain way and suddenly you know maybe you lose you, you know, someone who, say, loses the use of their legs or, right. you know, loses their job and their job was their identity. Yeah. And, you know, you grieve right. for who you thought that job made you to be. And, yeah. you know, everybody experiences it in some way, shape, or form. And we might think, oh, that's nothing compared to what I've gone through. But, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, in some ways, like, sure, there are there are levels of grief, but if that's what they've experienced, then that's, you know, well, it's that's all big loss. for them. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And it's change, you truth. see, change. And nothing yeah. stays the same. No. And right. change is hard. Change is hard for so many people. That's why they don't do anything but the same thing. Yeah. Because it's scary. Yeah. It's scary and you change. You can't go back. Yeah. But if you don't leave, you don't have to go back. Yeah. So it it's easier but is for some of us that's not fulfilling. Some of us have to change, rinse, <laughs> do different yeah. things, and and with that, the more chances you take by change, the more chances you have of things not always going the way mm-hmm. you thought they would. But if you live in the same pattern from day one to your death day, things are going to be similar. You have less chance of really yeah. falling off that cliff. Yeah, and I think also less chance of really discovering, you know, what you've been able to discover, which is your inner strength and your right, right. like yeah. your, the the ability to really connect to yourself and to other people and to see what you're made of, you yeah. know. If, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, both places have their. I mean, it's 
just what people's choices are. Sure. Yeah. Like perhaps, or is it the choice that's put into you when you're brought here? We don't yeah. know. You know, is it in your cells and in your DNA? Yeah. In, in nature and nurture, a combination. I yeah. mean, I would have never guessed when I was that little 10-year-old child or 6-year-old laying on the sidewalk in San Francisco looking up at the sky, watching the clouds go by with my girlfriend and saying, ha, 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 in the year 2000, we're going to be 40. <laughs> That's insane. This was 1965 or 1970 or whatever, right? I'll never forget that. A lot of changes going on from then. Oh, yeah. But and you could not even predict what you were going never, to be Never, no, doing. well, I wouldn't know, no. Yeah. But, but, you know, yeah. the world was And what was did we age. say in the last podcast? What did you say? I don't know. What it was. I have to Oh, you quoted it. me. Oh, I quoted you. Yeah. Oh, oh, Everything oh. is a choice. So that, I mean, that came yeah. from, you just said that to me in a conversation oh. we had. I thought that was the podcast. No, that oh. wasn't the podcast. That was previous. from a conversation we had just sitting somewhere in Madrid. You said everything is a choice, and I was like, "Meh, I don't believe that." Meh, <laughs> and then I thought about it for and you're like, "Damn the it!" Next two days, and then I wrote it down. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, "Yeah, everything is a yeah. choice." <laughs> yeah, everything is a choice. Everything is a choice. Everything is a choice. Yeah. We don't think that we have the choice, but that's just a perception. Oh, yeah. yeah, everything yeah. is a choice. Everything is a choice, and there's no wrong answer. Or right answer. No, it's just it's, <laughs> it's yeah. just a choice. It's a choice, and it'll yeah. lead you to your next choice. Yeah, your next one and your next one, and that's yeah. how you get anywhere. Yeah, it's just a little decision by little mm-hmm. decision. Yeah. <laughs> Should we share another story, or where are we? Do you want to go? You're mm-hmm. looking at something. Um, I do not. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Should we talk you about our to wear your earrings? Oh, That's okay. I'm oh. trying to think. Should we talk about uh, the rest of our trip and save story time, or should we dive into another story? Uh, what's our what's our? We're time at 46 situation. minutes. Okay, my friend. <laughs> How long do you want to hear our voices? <laughs> I mean, I think it's up to you if you want to share a story or... Well, I mean, it's a little bit of a story. So listening to your story, and this is what I was sort of sitting with yesterday, and it's something that I shared. I can't remember if it was with you or the very first podcast, but I've shared bits and pieces of this. Mm-hmm. And yesterday was Father's Day, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, this is sort of where I'm at right now. So let me dive into it. So I could share that. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, sure. <clears throat> so let's see. So mine also spans over time. Um, it was 2008, 2009, and it goes to present day yesterday. Um, 2008 was like a, into 2009 was a very challenging year. I was married at the time. I lived in New York City. Um, I had been with my husband then for, we had been together since like 98. So like 10 years at that point. Um, we weren't married the whole time, but you know, we had gotten married in 2005. It was a, it was actually really awesome time for me because I was really shifting my career and, you know, I felt like I was falling into this really good groove he was not having a great time. He was dealing with um, knee issues and, you know, some, like, 
like depression and mania, mania and he had actually been diagnosed with bipolar within that year while he was dealing with these knee injuries and he had had surgery. And so within all of that, he became addicted to pills. And so there was a lot of this year of like me putting my life on holds with my, my career was like started starting to take a different route and I was really excited about it. But I mean, I, I had just gotten an agent and, and they were, I, I actually called my agent. And I said, I can't take out auditions right now. I need to take care of my husband. So I gave up a lot just to make sure he was feeling good and, you know, he was going to therapy. But while that time he was also becoming addicted to painkillers and it was just very like got to a point where he was in therapy and he was kind of deciding like, does he still want to be married? And maybe this is, you know, all of the stuff that he's dealing with, is it because of, you know, he actually doesn't want to be in a marriage. So we're like looking at that. And so there was a lot of like unpacking stuff. And I was just like, okay, what is going on? And then June 21st in 2009, my father calls who hadn't been in my life for 18 years calling me saying, and I've shared this before with people, um, that he was sober. You know, he, when I, when he disappeared, he was a drug addict. Um, he was dealing with like very erratic behaviors on top of the drugs, um, probably bipolar, Mm -hmm. which I found out is yes, he had bipolar. Um, so it was very interesting, the entrance of my father entering my life at this time and space where I'm dealing with this spouse who is also dealing with all of this. And here comes my father who is like, I'm sober and I've been, you know, in rehab and I'm being taken care of. And, and I sort of like pushed all of my exes and like my husband at the time, all of his stuff, like I just sort of shoved it under a rug because I was like, Oh, my dad's back. Everything is good and everything's fabulous. And so, so a lot of stuff shifted in my life and you know, because he showed up and because my husband at the time was dealing with stuff, we were like, let's make a big life change. Let's move out of the city. Um, We'll move out of the city. We'll be closer to my father who, you know, I can have more of a relationship with. My, My husband will be able to like kind of remove himself and like maybe get a fresh start in a different way, new perspective. So I kind of put, again, then I even pull myself even further out of the route that I was taking in my, my path, my career path. So I was moving out of the city. So there was no way I was going to continue that. So I retired yet again. Mm -hmm. Um, so I did that fast forward. That was 2010 when we moved out of the city, fast forward to 2013, my uh, January 8th, I get a phone call that my dad passed away in his Mm -hmm. sleep. So we had like four really amazing years together where he was, you know, not exactly perfect, but we were able to rebuild a relationship together. You know, he had been sober. He had explained to me he had had PTSD from, you know, dealing with um, two tours of Vietnam. And that's why he was so crazy and, you know, abusive and had these drug problems. So we started to, I started to unpack a little bit. He was like not in a place where he could fully unpack. Um, I think he unpacked what he needed to unpack to his ability prior to me coming into his life or him coming into my life. 
Um, so, uh, so yeah, so four years later, he passes away on January 8th and, um, I was devastated. I did not see this coming. I thought, oh, he's healthy and sober and happy and like Mm -hmm. amazing. And again, like I had pushed all this other stuff under a rug and maybe I wasn't seeing everything I needed to see. Um, that was January. And then March, my husband came to me and said, we need to split up. Mm. And I said, you know, why? And he basically came clean that he had not been sober. So I had thought when we moved out of the city, oh, I'm sober, everything's good. And he said, I'm not sober and I'm not going to be sober and I need to let you go. So here was like all this stuff coming back and it's like, shit, um, I need to like figure this out. And I was still grieving for my father. This was not even three months out. And um, I, I ran a yoga program. Uh, so I had to get up and like do my thing. Like you said, it's showtime. I had to do showtime. I restricted myself. I set boundaries in certain ways. Like I didn't touch my students cause I was like, I don't need them to put my bad energy on them. Um, but it was, it was still showtime. I was like physically not feeling well and, you know, grieving and, um, But so the first, so to go back a little bit, so the first class I taught after my dad passed, one of my students came to class, and this is what I think I did share on the podcast before, one of my students um, came to class, and I didn't think anything of it, it was like, sort of like my students were there to support me, it was like me just getting through class, and they all knew that, and they were very supportive, and yeah, and so it was just like, okay, there you go, and so then come to March, the student who was in that class, she emailed me and said, I'd like to have a meeting with you. Like it sort of sounded like a business kind of situation. I was like, okay, sure. So we had lunch and I'm in the middle of possibly breaking up with my husband and like still like it's showtime folks. Let me have this lunch date and everything is fabulous. And she said, you know, we're like having this business conversation. And she basically says, you know, I called you to lunch, not because of this business, you know, um, you know, prospect and business, but because I am kind of saw your dad. <laughs> She's like, I kind of saw your dad in that class that you taught. She's like, I sort of see people after they pass. Mm-hmm. And so she said, I saw your dad. I was in down dog between my legs, standing in the corner, and he's just looking at you and he's smiling. And did you have a lizard or a snake or and I was like, no. And I'm now I'm like at first it was like sort of like, oh you saw my dad. I'm like, wait, lizard, snake, what are you talking about? And <laughs> and I was like, well, no, he had a lion. Yeah, because <laughs> he did. Um, but I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. She's like, a lizard? She kept coming back to a lizard. I don't know. He was holding a lizard in his lap, and he was just looking at me and smiling. And I'm like, okay, now you're a little kooky. Like, all right, whatever. So I'm like, thank you for sharing this. Go on with my day. Like, within the next two days, like, shit really hits the fan and it's like my marriage is over and again I pull myself together like this whole thing unfolded very rapidly and 
but I still had to get up and rinse and repeat and go to work. So it was like, it's showtime, folks. I called. I, I can't. I don't know what I had to do. I had to sub out my class, but I told my job, like, I'll be there later. And so I showed up and I'm a wreck and I'm just still like, oh, jazz hands smile. It's still fine. Yeah, I'm getting a divorce and my dad died. You all know that, but I'm okay. Um, but one of my coworkers said, let's go to dinner. Let's go get drinks afterwards. So I did. And so we're like, I'm telling her everything. I'm sort of unpacking stuff. And she, um, basically, she basically tells me this thing. She was like, you, um, you need to look up this lizard thing. Do you believe in animal totems? And I was like, yeah, I do. Um, or actually, no, I don't. I didn't know what they were at that time. I was like, what are you talking about? And, but then I became a believer. So she's like, let's look up lizard. So I look up lizard and it was like, you need to unpack your dreams. I was like, what? Okay. And, um, so then I like sort of, am still like, not quite even understanding, like what is happening here? I'm still like, my whole world is like turned upside down. And so I was like, okay, you know what? I'll go look this animal totem thing up. So I read the whole thing about lizard and was like, look at your dreams. It's telling you these things about breaking away from your past and all these past patterns. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. So then like I start to unpack my journals and I just start to read my journals because I'm like, where did I go wrong? Like what... Like, I'm putting all the blame on me. Like, where did I go wrong? What did I do wrong? How did I not see these things, you know? Um, so I'm reading these journals in from 2008 to 2009 where I was, like, going through this thing with my, my husband. And I'm right, I had been writing down my dreams. Mm. And so I wrote, down the, I wrote down two dreams. And both of them were my childhood house. And my father, we're waiting, my whole family is like waiting outside for my father to show up. And I'm still, and we're waiting and they're like, oh, he's coming, he's coming. He shows up with an EMT coat, like emergency technician oh, coat. Yeah. And he, sh- he shows up, he's hugging everybody, he's great. And my husband's like standing off to the side and we're like, hey, come over here. You know, you know, Phoebe's dad's here. Come over, come over. And he was just, like, in his own world, like, doing, like, all these weird things. And I was like, okay. Um, you know. And But I wrote this down. I didn't think anything of it. I wrote that down in March 2009. My dad showed up June 2009. Mm-hmm. So I had these. I was starting to understand. I was having these premonitions of dreams of, like, premonition dream premonitions of like things that were happening right that my father was showing up my husband was not there he was like in his own world so it's just very bizarre so I was like starting to unpack these dreams and understanding it my whole year of 2013 was just unpacking all of this like going back through my past figuring all these things out and then I realized you know I lose the husband, I lose my house, I lose my pets, and I'm in this position of a job that it doesn't fit into the life. I took all of this stuff, I took all these different paths to accommodate these two people, mm-hmm. very important people in my life. So, you know, I, lot, I left a lot of different things for them. 
And I was like, God, I don't even know if I want to be here in this job. Um, so I decided to leave. And I just had like this manic moment. And I said to my mom, I got in my car and I just drove. And I've shared this before. I just drove to her house and I was like, I need to start a new business or something. I just need to get the hell out of here. So I ended up, long story short, and I'll share that story another day. But I ended up in Costa Rica randomly for a couple of days thinking, okay, I'm just going to check out for a minute. And I ended up being there a year, January 8th a year after my dad died. And I'm at this frutarica, right, a little um, fruit stand, and I get a smoothie, and I'm sitting there on the anniversary of his death by myself, right, no hugs. <laughs> I don't know any. Yeah, I don't know anybody. Sort of, like, grateful that I'm alone and just, like, feeling my feelings, but also very alone and not knowing where the hell I'm doing with my life. And I'm sitting, like, in this field right by the fruit stand, and I look up. I'm, like, with my smoothie, and I look up, and there are all of these lizards. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> uh, just, like, at my feet. And I was like, what the hell? I mean, yes, Costa Rica, they have lizards. Yeah. But, I mean, they were big iguanas. Just, they all came to my feet. Whoa. And they were just, like, looking at me. And I was like, okay, this is weird. And still not quite connecting, <laughs> right? My friend who had seen my dad with a lizard, I take a picture and I put it on Facebook and she writes me right away. And she's like, that is the lizard that I saw that your dad was holding. And I was like, whoa, okay. Wow. So I'm in a right place at the right time. And dad is here. That was like my hug. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I just, I had been feeling like all these little magical moments from then on that my dad, he was like sending me all these messages. Mm. I was so grateful. And I definitely feel like over the past, you know, now it's almost been seven years. It's been six and a half years um, that I feel like I get less and less of those messages, you know, because I think that it's like I'm getting stronger. I don't need to lean on them, on the messages or him or whatever. I feel like, okay, I'm getting in my own groove. But, you know, every once in a while I'm like, God, what, like, what's, is he still here? Like, am I doing everything right or something right, if not everything, but just anything right? And so I don't know, like, since we've been on this trip, I was just, like, having a great time and unpacking a lot, no mm-hmm. expectations, but still just sort of like, okay, Father's Day, we're in Europe. It's interesting that we're here. And um, I just... I was kind of like feeling a little, I don't even want to say the word lost, but I was just feeling like, okay, Father's Day, I want a message. Mm-hmm. And so the night before, um, which was Saturday, just two days ago, I just said, you know, I want a message from my dad. And we went yesterday to, we, Karina and I both woke up and we weren't feeling very well. And um, it was cloudy too. And so we were both mm-hmm. like looked at each other and was like, it's a cloudy day. We're not feeling very well. Let's not do much. But then you were like, let's go. Let's go see the castle. Let's just at least get out. You just have to sit there, right? So I wasn't connected to my phone. And then I, and I'm, we're driving, we're driving back home from the castle. And we're like weaving in and out of the, like the roads were like kind of windy. And I'm just like looking up and the scout 
cloud is sort of cloudy. The clouds are sort of, the sky is sort of cloudy. And you had already proposed that we're going to share stories. And I'm like sitting there looking at this cloudy sky. And I was like, what am I going to share? I don't know what the story I'm going to share. Um, I guess maybe something about my dad for Father's Day. I'm not sure. I mean, I don't even know if it's relevant at this point. And I get back, we get back, I connect to my Wi-Fi here, and I get a message from my friend who had seen the lizard with my father, and I hadn't heard, and we hear from each other every once in a while, and she wrote, hi, my love, I hope you're having a wonderful, magical time in Spain. I was talking to someone yesterday about how I saw your dad once, and then today I felt like he said to check for a change of weather today, or the cloud sky, cloudy sky Something just thought I'd pass along. Love you to pieces. Wow. He is so with you all the time. Oh. Well, you've got warm, <laughs> tingly feelings. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess the moral of my story is to be sort of with yours of be open to the messages. Like mm-hmm. be open to yeah. just those little things that feel insignificant, but still like kind of like gnaw at you and just like what is, why is that with me like why is that newspaper article with me why is that dream with me or why is that person who said that kind of off thing to me why is that still with me right yeah. um because there's always something magical possibly waiting for you there correct mm. yeah yeah big lizards at your feet <laughs> check for a change of weather yeah change of weather <laughs> How's your weather today? What are they doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Nice story. Mm-hmm. So there we are. Here we are, people. <laughs> Here we are. My yeah. kitty's been purring for the last eight hours. <laughs> she She's it. in a happy place. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I feel like to bring it back to our trip. Um, we talked a lot last time about expectations and like mm-hmm. how we were really coming with this intention of no expectations. And I feel, I feel like, I mean, I can't speak for you, but I feel like we both have really truly been open Yeah, it's to that. It's been a good, a good practice, I'll say, although it hasn't been necessarily hard, um, because we haven't, you know, been any of, well, you've been to Barcelona, but yeah. aside from that, we hadn't been any of the places we were going. We really couldn't, <laughs> we really couldn't expect anything in particular. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think we did a good job. <laughs> I think so too. It's been a very nice mix. I've enjoyed having you here. Of, um, yeah. It's been a nice, for me, it's been a really nice mix of what we might call distraction or you know just doing you know being out and about and doing and seeing and enjoying but also you know having I've had a lot of space to kind of let all of the lessons that I've been kind of in the process of learning really soak in and take hold um and I think that this space was really necessary for me yeah. You know, to kind of, and I, I knew that it would be, but, yeah. to, you know, I've definitely been in a transitory place lately. I've n- recognized that, you know, I've been 
something was something was happening inside yeah. of me, and that this space has really been um, a facilitator for some of that to just do its thing, right? Like I've been doing a lot of work, but I've been able yeah. to now just kind of take that little step back and let it let it unfold on its own. Yeah. yeah. So with no expectation. Yeah, with no expectation. I've yeah. just been kind of observing and seeing what comes up and writing it down and yeah. sharing some of it, but yeah. all of it. <laughs> I feel like that was the word for both of us is mm-hmm. observe. Mm-hmm. It's just like watching watching mm-hmm. what it is yeah. and not reacting and just seeing how things unfold. Not reacting. Yeah. Um, so when we were... You know, talking about having a story night. Yes. I've been kind of <laughs> not sure whether I even have a story to tell. And every time I think about telling one, it, it, you know, this I, the stories that I naturally gravitate toward feel a little bit heavy, but so were both of yours. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of heavy stories. Yeah. Um, but they're good. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I have a lot of practice writing, not a lot of practice necessarily telling my story. I think I, when I speak about things, I kind of speak about the lessons that I learned or how they felt, but not really, you know, the, the kind of the meat, the, the meat of the story or the details and the, you know, the smells and the <laughs> sights and the well, sounds. And yeah, <laughs> I, I'm very visual and, yeah. and kinesthetic. So my stories, mm-hmm. I've written them, but when I write mm-hmm. them, I have to remember the yeah. pictures in my yeah. head. Yeah. And so I try to write that. So it gives me the set mm-hmm. and the and the experience again mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and of course you can't remember details of colors and things but you start to create new ones and yeah. that brings some life to a yeah. story so i i can do that very well when i'm on my bicycle for some yeah. reason the movement the, the yeah, i i i get stories and and pictures and i can put beautiful words to it mm-hmm. that's why when i come off that bike i could be from the theater <laughs> <laughs> then after that as evening, we've seen i'm like in yeah. that room writing away and you're like hello <laughs> okay, I guess I'm done now. Yeah, I just like I'm pumped. It's showtime. Up. Pumped up, but I've got a lot in there going. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and uh, I find it a, a good vehicle. But yeah. writing, I've I've also found helpful to do to create the colors because I when I read my writing, I want to read it as if I didn't know I wrote it. So I need yeah. to yeah. write right, what? Right, right. I yeah. love, I love you have that to say that. Yeah. Well, it's true yeah. because you can't read if you read it and you're writing it and you're like, well, I know what I mean, but yeah. no, yeah. they don't know exactly. what you mean. Right. So you can't. You have to really be colorful. You have to really paint a picture yeah. with words. Obviously, some people are better at it yeah. than others. I'm not saying I'm very good at it, but I, but I think about that when I write yeah. to try to paint in the emotions and the scenery. Um, in your words, just to be yeah. with writing, you know, the poetry yeah. that you wrote, read mm-hmm. there, it's like, wow, that guy was able to use words to just to, to depict emotions. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, I, I mean, mean, yeah, it, yeah, that's why I love poetry. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's a fun uh, tool. I like that. I like so, that. yeah. It's your story. So you have lots of stories. Well, yeah, I, there is a story that I do feel like I, I want to share, and it's, you know, it, I don't. I don't know how it'll come out. 
And it, uh, you know, the star of the show is uh, my dad, so for Father's Day, which also happens to be your brother. Right. I figured that out. <laughs> it's not my brother. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, and, you know, you guys are bringing up dates of when things happened. That is not my That's strong okay. suit. Um, I think that it was... About two and a half, three years ago, that he decided he wanted to come out and visit me. Um, and, you know, he had been ill for quite some time, kind of, you know, up and down and struggling with some stuff. He had, you know, had a, a tumor from his pancreas removed. He had really severe diabetes um, uh, at that point he had not yet had his leg amputated. Um, so he had all of his limbs, um, you know, but the last time I had seen him or the, you know, he had, you know, growing up, he had been a really fat, jolly, sometimes jolly, you know, you might think of him as fat and jolly with his tendency toward a temper. Um, <laughs> but everyone know, knew him as, you know, a pretty large dude. Um, but then, you know, the previous time I had seen him, people had kind of prepared me like, well, he's not that anymore. And he was really, really skinny, skin and bones. And so I knew that this time that that's who was coming out to visit me. Um, but I had kind of instinctively, the, the time that he'd come before, he had stayed in my house. And, you know, he, it just really wasn't, it was not a pleasant experience for me. He doesn't clean up after himself and... You know, he has some habits that I really just did not, I, I didn't like them being in my house. And um, we don't always get along the best. And, you know, he really is kind of unpredictable. Sometimes he's up, sometimes he's down. I just, I knew instinctively, like, I don't, I don't want him, I don't, I don't want him to stay with me. I'm happy that he's coming to visit and I'm, you know, all for seeing him. I just, I yeah. can't have him in my house this time. So I had prepared for that by, you know, arranging for him to stay in a, uh, some kind of motel or something. <laughs> <laughs> but ahead of that, before he came to visit me, he stayed with his friend in New York City. So he was making a stop okay. in New York City to visit his friend Ratzo, who he had known for years and years. They were, high you know, school. high school music friends. Um, and, you know, a, a couple days after I had known that he was due to arrive, I hadn't heard from him. Um, I heard from Ratso, and I think Ratso called my mom and then, you know, got my number. Okay. Um, and he, he called me up and he said, your dad is dying. Right. Yeah. Uh, oh, <laughs> I mean, you know, just for everyone out there listening, he's not dead. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> he called me up and he said, your dad is dying. And I was like, okay, wow. what's going on? Yeah. Um, We've had the last three years. Yeah, we had thought, you know, there so have cool. been so many, now over the past seven years or so, yeah. there have, you know, at least once a year, somebody calls me yeah. up and says, your dad is dying. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Since I've known you, I think he was about to die like two or three times. Yeah. 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 We were like Freddy Krueger. <laughs> we just come back. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, he's, he says, you know, he's 
emaciated and he shows up with, you know, with this big pastry and he shouldn't be eating that. And, um, you know, he's, you know, he's incontinent and he's like, he's just a hot mess. And like, he doesn't seem to recognize this because he's, you know, he's just going about his business and sleeping in my house and making a mess in the bathroom and, you know, eating things that he really shouldn't be eating as a, as a really severe diabetic. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he looks terrible and he's frail and he's wobbly and, um, you're like, yeah, I already know this. Yeah. But it sounded really bad. (laughs) Okay. Um, you know, it sounded worse. Okay. And every time it does, um, wasn't there a stench? There was a stench. Oh yeah. There was a stench there. Yeah. It was just, it sounded like, you know, okay. is he even going to make it through this trip? Okay. No. <laughs> so he's not in a hospital or anything. He's just like, just oh. pre- to prepare you, he's a hot mess. It, just to prepare okay. you. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And, you know, I, he was, yeah, I think he just didn't know what to make of it. Yeah. And, um, it's shocking. It was shocking. Yeah. 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 And so he wanted to pre- prepare me, but he also, I think, wanted to talk to somebody about it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, to let you know, do you know this? Yeah, do you yeah. know this? The state of this. Oh, so then I'm like, oh my God, like he's coming to visit me and what am I going to do? And I'm so glad he's not staying with me. But <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I kind of try to prepare myself and um, to see him and to, you know, kind of try to figure out how to deal with him. And um, yeah, I see him and it, all of it is true. He's a mess. And he smells terrible and he looks worse and he's not walking well. And, um, you know, I asked him, when's the last time you went to the doctor? And he said the last time he went to the doctor was two years ago. Meanwhile, he's supposed to be on insulin. Um, He's supposed to be taking insulin every single day. He should be going to the doctor probably, you know, every couple months. Um, so I decided that I was going to take him to the doctor because he needed insulin. Like he needs, he needs insulin. Yeah. Yeah. His body was, you know, shutting down. Um, and so I arranged, I, I was talking to, um, my mom's friend who also knew my dad, um, Andrea, who lived about an hour away from me in Kingston. Um, and so, you know, she had seen him also. And my mom had seen my dad and we kind of were all talking together about where to take him and what to do. Yeah. And so Andrea said, you know, there's this place that I go and they have really good doctors and it's, you know, you can get an appointment and it's, it's some kind of, you know, clinic situation. So it won't cost a lot of money. Um, so I made an appointment and I, drove my dad up there and you know basically I just said we're we're doing this even though I knew he wasn't going to want to but you know thankfully uh, for whatever reason he does listen to like he'll do what I ask him to okay. do, even though he doesn't you know he's not do it on his own do it on his own um he tends to not fight me which is why I've had to go out to California a few times to you know make him follow through on mm. things like his pancreatic tumor surgery and Mm because if I'm there he'll do it for I don't know why but Mm. he will so I take him to the doctor and you know it's like pulling teeth like you know they're asking him questions and he's just shut down I don't know I don't know like to the answer to everything is 
I don't know, or it's not that bad, or, mm-hmm. you know, he's just not painting a full picture. And so I'm trying, you know, trying to chime in. Fill in um, the details. Fill in the details. Like, what, what do you mean it's not that bad? Like, this is what I've seen. And, yeah. you know, how can you be playing it down? And, like, he just, you know, he would snap everything. He was snapping at the doctor, you know, and they're asking him, um, what would you like to do? And he's like, I don't know. You're the doctor. You're the doctor. You tell me what to do. And, you know, they, oh, wow. they took his blood sugar and it was off the chart. Like the thing couldn't even read it. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they were just, you know, their eyes were kind of wide. Like, what is he what still alive? do with you? Because yeah. every time we try to talk to you, you yell at us. And wow. um, so that, you know, the doctor took me out in the hallway and told me what they thought he needed to do as though I'm somehow going to be able to make it happen. I'm like, why don't you go in there and tell him, you know, that he needs, you know, more support and he needs insulin and he needs, you know, regular checkups and, you know, all of this stuff and that, you know, he's not going to make it unless he starts to take control of his diabetes. Um, (laughs) And... You know, I didn't really know what to do with any of it because, you know, my relationship with him is not great. And even though he somehow listens to me when I ask him to do things like go to the doctor and if I tell him I'm taking him, most of the time when I try to bring up hard stuff like that, he yells at me too. Mm. And he has for my whole life. You know, I say the wrong thing in any moment and he yells or snaps and it's you know, that's something that has, it's very difficult for me to confront him about anything because I don't want to feel like that again. Um, but, you know, we leave the doctor, they give him his insulin. Um, I feel like I've you know, basically done what I can do, but the whole way out, he's still snappy. I'm like trying to talk to him about what he's going to do. And he's just kind of yelling at me and Andrea's there. She came with us for support for me. And you know, she, (laughs) she maybe didn't handle it the best because she's saying, your daughter's amazing. Your daughter's amazing. (laughs) You better be nice to her. And he's like, fuck you, fuck you. And she's like, you better be nice to her. And he slams the car door, slams the car door in her face. Fuck you. And you know, (laughs) I'm just like, oh my God. Uh, I close my car door and we have an hour to drive home and I'm just not saying anything. I'm just trying to breathe and yeah. All right. This is where we are. At least we got that over with. And about halfway home, we haven't said anything to each other. Yeah. About halfway home. She's not in the car. She lives in Kingston. So she stayed there. She just came (laughs) for support. So it's the two of you. It's the the two of us in the car. Yeah, he, I don't remember exactly what he said, but he didn't, I don't think he apologized, but he just said, you know, I, I, that's just, I just, I just have to yell. He just said, I I just have to, I just have to express it. I was like, okay. He goes, I just, I have to, I have to get it out. Otherwise, it hurts me. Mm. Right? And I didn't really say much. I kind of said, okay, okay. But I that really, it sat with that for a long time. And I think 
you know, I actually I wrote a poem about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you have a poem here? I do. It's on my phone. I can share it with you. I'd like later. to. Um, but what I ended up really taking from that was he never learned any other way. Yeah. You know, and I think that was his way of telling me, like, I never learned any other way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have had moments in my life where that is also how I have <laughs> expressed myself. Yourself, yeah. was through, you know, I, I have this, you know, whatever it is, emotion welling up inside me. And it's just kind of burst through the gates at whoever is in front of me. Um, and... I can yell too. Oh yeah. I mean, I get it. I get it. And it feels good in a way, but it also feels awful because you're hurting the person that's in front of you. And that's not the intention. You know, his intention has never, I, you know, looking back has never been to hurt me. I don't think that he is a a vicious and malicious person, no. Um, it's just that he never learned any other way. And so it's a, it's a, it's something tools. Uh, yeah. in childhood tools. that all children at some point, they yell and scream. Sure. Them, right. It's a, it's a period of brain development. I think yeah. that, the, that you have to pass through to mature and perhaps yeah. in him, Maybe he never he got stuck in that. He got stuck. Yeah, he got stuck in a lot of a lot, a lot of things uh, that yeah. yeah many people grow out of or grow through, and you know he yeah. got stuck as I think in in a lot of ways as an adolescent. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, I, in the poem that I wrote about it, and you know that was something that I wrote down was what I heard from that. You know to get it out or it hurts is I never learned another way and one of my takes takeaways from that was I I am going to learn another way yes you know I and I have and I yeah constantly am you know looking at at those pieces of myself that might want to express in that in that way and I'm finding other ways and I'm learning other ways because that there are other ways and there are such you know there are ways to turn that into amazing things you know mm-hmm. there there are ways to turn that energy into healing tools mm-hmm. um you know into something that is beautiful or you know something that can create change your poem, My poem. yeah well, your yeah. yeah 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 so well, that's, that's my, good that's my story yeah. that's, that's a beautiful, beautiful story. thank you yeah yeah uh do you have your poem readable for everyone? I don't want to read it, but I'll share it <laughs> oh, with you. <laughs> we don't have to share everything here. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That was nice. All, all your story, Phoebe, and your story, Karina. Yeah. And your story, Nancy. And your story. Thank you. We yeah. Had a story night successfully. We did it. Story night is a success. <laughs> well, I guess they'll be the judge. <laughs> yeah, you'll be the judge. You let us know what you think. Um, but it is a no judgment zone. <laughs> yeah, you, be the, uh, you be the judge, but no judgment zone. Don't tell us. Um, yeah. Well, anything else we want to share? I am really thankful for you, Phoebe. Um, for you, Nancy. I mean, this has been the perfect 
ending to the trip. Yeah. Um, I mean, Nancy, you just, you inspire me Aww. to no end. You inspire me to no end. You do. You inspire me. Uh, I just have been so blessed that you two t- took the, the offer and jumped on it yeah. and said, oh, we'll come to Spain. Because oh, watch like, out. I'm homeless. Well, <laughs> yeah, and we're coming. People, we're going to have a, a fitness, oh, yoga, yeah. activity, indoor and outdoor climbing mountains. <laughs> Uh, doing things. I'm going to market it a little bit better. But yes, we're going to do, we're doing a retreat with Nancy in Spain next year. We're working on that. So yes. Yeah. Story night will be evolved. Yeah. I think we want to so. hear all their stories. Yeah, we want to sit around and I share like this. Oh, yeah. Maybe around yeah. a little campfire. I love that. On the yeah. beach. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Bonfire. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm grateful yeah. for you, Karina. Yeah. Well, in so many ways, but you yeah. were the one who planted the seed six months ago. And you're like, my aunt lives in Spain. You gotta and come here. You gotta come here. I need to go visit her. And I said, okay. Yeah. And now we're here. You have been Yay. such a such a perfect travel companion. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I mean, you've been a perfect travel <laughs> companion. Yeah. I think we definitely like have very similar energy it's mm-hmm. like we wake up we kind of do our own thing mm-hmm. and it's like okay we did our own personal time yeah. let's go do these things we go I mean we did so much we did so much we were both a little under the weather yesterday and I was like oh my god this is like we gave ourselves time to relax but that was sort of like the first time we were both like uh. yeah we gave ourselves a little bit of time being here you know, at your place, Nancy, it's been, Relaxing. we've been able to just kind of yeah relax a little bit yeah. and stay in one place and not have to get up and move. You know, we yeah. were getting up and moving Check out every other window. day. Yeah. Um, and to go back to our last podcast, we're yeah. like, we're doing the tourist, yeah. tourist and the traveler, yeah. like balancing that pretty well. I mean, we um also had like a little bit of like you know beach day here and there for an hour for an hour or two but we were like getting up and like traveling through the different little you know streets and like adventuring through there and having to get up and check out of our airbnb by a certain time and then we have all our luggage and we have to do something with it yeah not really feeling settled not settled until we got here and i think that's why we both sort of got under the weather which was actually a blessing i think i mean it wasn't that bad and we got to have a beautiful day today to get it over with now than like go home and then suddenly we're sick and we have to start working again yeah it was absolutely perfect And yeah. thanks, Nancy, Ooh. for planting the seed yeah. and being well, such a wonderful seed. way to end there it. There was a lot of giggling going on in this room. <laughs> <laughs> and today, with yesterday, your workout. Yesterday was a big, there was a lot of laughter coming yeah, we we had, Yesterday, we I think dairy. we may have had fevers. We were We, we were probably had fevers. <laughs> we were doing interesting things and saying interesting things. Um but yeah, but you definitely provided the safe space for us to have our delirium. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so thank you both for yeah. being here and being who you are and the kitties. And this cat has stayed with us for the whole I know, whole I haven't podcast. seen this cat in During place. my entire talk part, she was letting me. She just wanted to be stroked. Aww. She knows, she is a sensitive. This one can feel all the energy. 
Um, so yeah, so we are going to do a retreat next year with Nancy. She gave us a killer workout today. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to do a little bit of that with yoga and other adventures. We're going to plan that out. So stay tuned for that. Um, but in the meantime, we also have our retreat in Belize with Becca Roberts of Namastasis in November. And then I'm going to Bali in March, 2020. Um, what else is happening? You have um, things coming up when you get back. Oh, yeah. We're going to do Movement 109 with Erica Forsell, her breath work and my Movement 109. So we'll be doing that June 30th at Bar Body and Soul. Um, So come move with us. And uh, teacher training is happening 200 hour and beyonds uh, in the fall in uh, Bar Body and Soul. And um, yeah, I think that's it for now. Anything else that you want like to? Where can we find you if they're coming to Spain and they want to train with you? How can they find you, Nancy? Facebook, I suppose. Fitness by Farzan. Fitness by Farzan. Uh, Instagram. I'm a big Instagrammy. Farzani, Farzan. Farzani, Farzan. Okay. Good. So, and we'll put that and in the show notes too. Also, so if oh, you what's Google, your website? Uh, fitnessbyfarzan.com or dot b e a d e s because it's okay. <laughs> sorry we'll put it in the show notes you'll give it to me and we'll put it in the show notes I'm easily too. found okay cool mm, thank anything you anything you want to say before we wrap no. this up okay well thank you all for listening to this extra long edition of our <laughs> travel and stories and all that jazz it's show time, time folks <laughs> ciao ciao ciao